Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the first Times Business Podcast of 2018, where we're going to be looking ahead to some of the events that will be moving markets in the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. That means an update on how we've been spending our money and whether it's ours or unsecured borrowing, the state of the housing market and a preview of the earnings season on Wall Street and, of course, why this number is so important. So I guess our new number is 30,000. We'll find out more about that later. I'm joined by Tom Knowles, the Times Economics and Property Correspondent, our business reporter, Alex Ralph, and on the line from New York, we have James Dean, US Business Editor of the Times. Welcome to you all. Happy New Year and thanks for being here. Um, Alex, I'm going to start with you. We've already had quite a number of trading updates uh, from the retailers, Marks and Spencers, Sainsbury. And of course, looking forward, we've got JD Sports, Burberry and the Primark owner Associated British Foods. What's been your impressions so far? Well, what it's shown is that the food retailers have done pretty well and the clothing retailers, the general merchandise retailers have done less well. And retail experts had expected the market to be quite polarised, the retail sector to be polarised over the Christmas period. And that is being borne out over what we've seen over the last fortnight or so. So we've we've had a flurry of updates since Christmas and they've shown a number of winners and losers. Um, We've had profit warnings from Mothercare, Debenhams, Moss Brothers, and we had a profit downgrade today from Card Factory. So we can sort of see that from the general retailers, it's been tough. A few have done well, Next being one of the exceptions. Whereas the food retailers, it's been much more positive. And that seems to be where people have spent their money over Christmas. So food's obviously more of a non-discretionary item. So people have been prioritising that over, you know, buying other things. Online, people seem a bit surprised, but online is continues to take great chunks out of the bricks and mortar high street, doesn't it? We seem to be now permanently wedded to buying more online. Is that your impression? Yeah, every year now we're seeing that borne out in the in the figures. And it's definitely those retailers that have invested the most and have had the biggest head start with their online operations, which are generally outperforming. Those which have bigger so-called bricks and mortar legacies are really struggling. And we saw that with Moss Brothers yesterday, whose business is, is built more towards um um, you know, people coming into shops to, to get their suits and, and their figures were a lot weaker. Tom, looking at you, I mean, we were talking about the retailers here, bricks and mortar versus online house of Fraser um, and send all these reports that it's asking for rent reductions because it's finding it so hard. I mean, you, you straddle both camps in a way, don't you? Economics and property. So 
Is that going to be a trend, do you think? All the retailers and the smaller ones with the card factories, they're on every high street, Pandora. Is that what we're likely to see increasingly? Them saying, whoa, wait a minute, we cannot afford these rents anymore. Yeah, I think absolutely. Uh, you know, retailers, are, for one, are dealing with higher business rates, um, just rising rent. But at the same time, talking about this online uh, you know, growth all the time, it means that retailers are considering, well, do, do I put most of our money into buying up what what's called in the property world sheds which are huge warehouses you know off the M25 where you can really focus on on growing that online side of things um, or do i put more money into having you know a, a location on every high street and the downside is if if you have a location on every high street it's just not necessary anymore and and you know the bigger more savvy retailers are saying well we'll have flagship stores in shopping malls and so on but otherwise we're going to focus more and more on this logistic side of things instead so presumably alex a, a shift in a way from do you invest in the high street to do you invest in what Tom calls quaintly sheds. And then, of course, vans that have to deliver these goods because at the end of the day, someone's got to drop them off at your front door. Yeah, I mean, uh, traditionally, retailers bought growth by just opening up, you know, sh- stores after stores. And, and it's a bit of the opposite now. It's sort of managing the decline of the store. And typically that's through creating an experience for the shopper. So if you've got a big shed like some of the food retailers, then, you know, you bring in concessions from other retailers. And then it's the opposite for the clothing retailers who then bring in, you know, some smart cafes and that sort of thing. Um, but ultimately, some of the retailers are struggling to get rid of stores, particularly those loss-making ones, because they've got long leases around their necks. And you see that even on a wider scale with shopping centres. If you go into a big shopping centre now, like Brent Cross or the Bull Ring in Birmingham, then you will very much be hit by this idea of a, you're meant to spend the whole day there. It's an experience. There'll be lots of leisure activities and loads of food and drinks that weren't there maybe even five years ago because shopping centres have also realised that to get people in away from just buying stuff online, then they've got to sort of treat it as a day out experience rather than just buying a pair of jeans. James, if I could bring you in here, we were talking about the shopping malls, very much an American idea, isn't it? What, what's been your experience and what you've observed from, from, from the US in terms of the holiday season and the retail sector as a whole? Obviously, we have an, an extended holiday season out here because we, uh, it also covers the Thanksgiving at the end of November. Uh, so it kind of you've got pretty much a month's worth of um, of sales there to look at. Um, the figures at the end of November, or the figures for November of the whole, were uh, generally quite strong. Uh, and then also just before Christmas, I think it was three days before Christmas Day, um, the Republicans managed to pass their you know tax cuts bill. So I think with the fact that the uh, the markets were kind of on the way up here strongly at the end of the year, and uh, with their tax cuts, may well have loosened the purse strings of, of quite a few people. You also heard about um, a lot of big American companies giving bonuses to their staff after the tax cuts bill was passed. So that, again, may have uh, helped spending a bit. But I think as, as in the UK, it's, it's, it's a mixed picture about where that money went. Um, online retail is doing very well, again, by the sound of it. So you've got you know, Amazon, obviously, uh, leading there. Um, among the bricks and mortar retailers, a lot of the discount retailers have done pretty well by the sound of it, although we're still waiting for official December figures. Um, uh, but that some of the department stores have not done as well. So maybe people aren't looking to for higher prices. They're going more to, to the budget places. So you've got places like Sears, which used to be uh, the biggest department store chain in the US, is now among the smallest. Uh, people aren't going there anymore. And uh, people tend to think they'd have fairly poor holiday trading season, whereas 
budget types like uh, Target, for example, have done much better. They they probably they sell stuff for, for for much less money. So mixed picture, but generally holiday sales are looking to have been quite good over here. Well, I'll ask you first, and and then uh, Tom over here and Alex. The business about when we said at the beginning, is it our money, or? Is it borrowing on like unsecured credit card lending? Do you get the feeling that people are borrowing much more to fund what they see as their lifestyle? Credit card debt is, I think it recently hit a new high amongst Americans. But, uh, you know, you, you might kind of expect that as, uh, as you know, obviously the population is still rising and uh, people still like to spend on credit cards. I don't think it's emergency stations at the moment. And what with the tax cuts next year as well, some of the you know, expected increased spending might actually go towards paying off credit card debts. Credit card spending did go up. I, I think it was at a record over the, certainly the, the recent kind of holiday period. So end of November to end of, near the end of December. But from the people I've spoken to, it, it's certainly not ringing alarm bells. Here, it, it is quite different. It, it's been the talk of the town, certainly with the, the Bank of England um, and, and sort of Financial Conduct Authority and, and those regulatory bodies. British households have been borrowing sort of to live beyond their means, whether they're just doing that because they like spending or whether it's because of rising inflation, it's not quite sure. But you know, the, the Office for National Statistics said household were net borrowers, which means their outlays are, are bigger than their incomes, their you know, sort of wages for four successive quarters to the end of September. And that's the first time that's ever happened happened since records began in 1987. And consumer credit growth is, you know, stuff like credit cards, uh, car finance, that's a very big thing, you know, uh, getting a, a sort of loan, as it were, to slowly pay off your car and and overdrafts and so on and, and credit cards. At one point, it was reaching a sort of 11-year high uh, in November. And the, the Bank of England got quite worried, not so much because of the consumers, but they thought that the lenders were becoming a bit too complacent. And the danger is, is that if there was a sudden, you know, another financial downturn, what traditionally happens is that people still are usually always prioritise paying off their mortgage. That is something that, you know, defaults happen, but it, it remains quite low. Whereas if people are in financial trouble, they just stop paying their, their credit card bills. And the Bank of England worked out that this could really hit lenders by, you know, as much as 30 billion in losses. So they've really made uh, banks now sort of cut back a little bit on how much they lend, be a lot more strict about who they're sort of giving, you know, 0% interest credit card transfer fee balances for ages too. Um, and, and we've actually started seeing that resulting in consumer credit borrowing going down a little bit. So it's perhaps being tamed a little bit now. Well, it's interesting because of so moving on slightly from the retail sector, you bought in very much there that people will make every effort to keep up with their mortgage payments. And I mean, looking at the housing market, so many retail investors have gone into the sort of retail investment trust because they many of them pay quarterly dividends. So this, in terms of borrowing, yes, mortgage rates presumably are still quite low. But looking at the housing market now and general indebtedness, what is the state of it? Can people still invest in it with some degree of comfort? Uh, well, I mean, the, the thing about the housing market in Britain is there's lots of sort of mini housing markets is a bit false. And, and you know, uh, reporters like myself are particularly guilty of this, of, of just treating the housing market as one big thing. Or, you know, at the moment, London, I wouldn't 
advise you to invest in property in London particularly uh, because house prices are falling. Uh, there's probably not going to be great returns anytime soon. Whereas in the Midlands, it's booming because the Midlands took a lot longer to recover from the recession. Uh, so prices have only just started to get back to where they were pre-financial crisis. And now is a good time to go in or even further north. We're seeing much bigger price growth. So it's, it's a sort of mixed bag, but ultimately... The main headline is this one of stagnation and flat growth. And that's what the estate agent is saying. And and no one putting their house up for sale unless they absolutely have to, partly because of Brexit uncertainty, partly because inflation's going up. So that's squeezing our spending power, making a bit less sure. And then on the higher brackets of the housing market, there's also the issue of stamp duty, which people complain as, you know, the transaction fees to move are so expensive that people think, well, maybe I'll just do an extension to my house rather than move. How do you see it, Alex? I suppose another area of the market, which which again plays to Thomas' point about it being, you know, varying across, is is the new build market, which which obviously has been boosted by the government's help to buy scheme over the last few years since it was introduced, and and we we saw that recently with with Bessimen, one of the the country's biggest builders, and the directors are about to absolutely clean up with huge multi million pound bonuses, which um, has caused a real stir particularly in Westminster, over whether, you know, there should be a tax on these bonuses and profits because um, to what extent have they been underpinned by the taxpayer? James, bringing you in here from New York, I suppose when we talked about, you know, the end of the financial crisis, I mean, the whole thing began, didn't it, in the subprime mortgage market in America. Do you feel that the American housing market as a whole, equally important over there as it is here, it seems, uh, is on the mend and it it's actually upward rather than sideways or stagnation. It's doing fairly well. I mean, I, I think, uh, I mean, part of the reason the American housing market, in a way, is, is very different to the UK is that it's easier to to build over here. There's there's more space generally, obviously being a much bigger country, and um, it, it tends to have, you know been far ahead of the UK in terms of the growth in available houses, uh, and and therefore the prices have not been quite as uh, in, not risen quite as high as as they have in, in in the UK, apart from maybe in the cities. So there was actually quite a lot, a lot of building in 2015, 2016 as well, but probably still not quite enough to uh, you know to house everyone who wants a house. So I think over the next year or so, that it, it's still seen as being a stronger rental market than uh, you know as people still might not be able to afford to move into new places. But the rental market still seen as being stronger than the kind of purchasing market. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, in terms of subprime, I don't think there's any certainly any fears over here about um, a, a new subprime crisis. Mortgages are cheaper as they are in the UK because base rates are still very low. But obviously, the pace of rate hikes, pace of interest rate hikes from the Fed over here is likely to be faster this year, especially now that we have the tax cuts bill. So, again, that could possibly squeeze finances just enough to stop people buying places and, and may, again, you know, kind of boost the rental market. Well, that's reassuring names in the housing market. Let's sit tight and we'll be back in a minute. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Finally, when we played a clip from President Donald Trump for it was he talking on Fox News at the start of the podcast, and that 30,000 number, of course, was the Dow Jones Industrial Average after it had sailed through 25,000. This is what the president said at the time. We broke a very, very big barrier, 25,000. And there were those that say we wouldn't break 25,000 by the end of the eighth year. And we're in the 11th month. So I guess our new number is 30,000. Uh, but what, I, what it means is every time you see that number go up on Wall Street, it means jobs. James, presumably if the uh, fourth quarter earnings season is a good one, then 30,000 for the Dow is not impossible. Um, it, it's certainly a possibility. I mean, a lot of people doubted that 25,000 was a possibility, but but there you go. It's going to be an interesting year in the US. And we'll, we'll learn for sure whether the tax cuts that were passed at the end of last year are actually going to fuel growth as much as the president thinks it can. He talks about economic growth of maybe 4% this year, which would be the highest for, 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 for quite a few years, to be honest. Looking at the fourth quarter, it's um, it's going to be a mixed bag. We've got some reports shortly from the banks, which always tend to report first in every earnings season. And most of the big ones, including Citigroup, for example, they've already warned that they're actually going to take a big hit from uh, the tax changes. This is for various complex reasons, but mainly because some of their tax assets are now not as valuable as they were before uh, tax, the tax rate was cut, or tax, all the tax rates were cut. So um, Citigroup, for example, has warned that um, its fourth quarter results are going to be marked down by $20 billion, which is no small fry. You know, Goldman Sachs, uh, Morgan Stanley have also talked about taking tax hits. Yet, I think, you know, in the longer term, obviously, they're going to benefit from a lower corporate rate. Um, corporate rate obviously dropping from about 35% to 21% this year, which is a, a, a huge difference. So, I mean, the share price of the banks since they warned that they were going to take these hits haven't haven't fallen off in fact they're kind of they've been up generally over the last week or so on on optimism about their 
fourth quarter results and uh, and, the, and the prospects for this year. So it is set to be a good one, especially considering that a lot of the retailers are, by some reports, um, have had a good holiday season. So um, I think the analyst expectations of last year, pre-tax cuts, are, are, are likely to be beaten. Yeah, I suppose you know broadly the bull case is that you know, uh, you know everything Donald Trump has done so far has defied skeptics. Um, so you know we wouldn't put it past them that that it does indeed hit that target. But um, I suppose the other point worth making is that it's it's gone a hell of a long way since he was elected, and you know some analysts are starting to say on a fundamental basis U.S. stocks are looking a bit overvalued, and there is a correction, there is a crash. Then it'd be interesting to see if he's claiming credit for that as well. Tom, it's the world's largest economy, and we've already seen that. The tax cuts have made a difference, rightly or wrongly, but, you know, they've had an instant effect. The president's plan to spend a trillion dollars on infrastructure. If he got that bill through, would you see that as being an immediate shot in the arm? Or is it one of those things that actually would take an awful long time to unfold? Yeah. I mean, first he has to get it through. He's been talking about this infrastructure boost for a while. I I think it, it, it... you know, the, America does need improvements to its infrastructure and it would make a huge difference. But yes, I think it would take a while to unfold. But their, their growth is is expanding pretty pretty nicely. You know, even this year, it's GDP for America is expected to be 2.2%, which is significantly ahead of the UK, which is hoping for 1.8% maximum. And I reckon it will probably be about 3% the, the following year. So I think despite all his many faults, Trump is uh, happily taking on uh, you know quite a lot of growth. Whether he's doing that or whether just the economy is doing quite nicely at the moment is, is open for discussion. James, a final thought with you. Uh, the numbers always need to stack up in Washington, don't they? But from where you are on Wall Street, do you think it is possible that the president could get his, his infrastructure programme through? It's going to be very difficult. I mean, the cost of the tax cuts is quite astonishing. And when you also have the fact that supposedly the, ta- the tax cuts will pay for themselves, if that doesn't come to bear, then you've got a whole lot more debt in the US. And even pretty liberal Republicans uh, are not keen on increasing the US debt anymore. And some of the more hawkish are, are very, very likely to um, oppose an infrastructure bill that adds much more to the debt. So... The problem you also have is that um, the uh, the Republicans have lost a seat in the Senate to the Democrats this year. So their majority there is, well, I mean, it, it stacks up 51 Republicans to 49 Democrats now rather than 52 to 48. So pushing anything through when you have a decent handful of, you know, fiscally hawkish Republican senators is going to be extremely difficult. So... Um, and especially when Trump will not back down on, on on taking more money to build the border wall with Mexico. So it's going to be a much harder than with the tax cuts, because at least with the tax cuts, you had a Republican consensus that the rates needed to fall. Thanks, James. And that's about it for now. But do keep up to date with all the latest financial news and analysis. We've got updates, as we mentioned, from JD Sports Fashion, Dunelm Burberry, and Primark owner Associated British Foods. Whitbread will be there as well. You can get All that from your phone, online, tablets, and, of course, in the paper. And if you'd like to become a subscriber, please go to thetimes.co.uk and you can sign up. And you'll also then receive our daily morning and lunchtime business bulletins. If you want to hear us weekly, do subscribe through iTunes. And my thanks to Alex Ralph, 
Tom Knowles and James Dean in New York. They are on Twitter, so if you're not already, please do follow them. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next week. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.